0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Throwdown, an action cinema podcast, where we take you through every decade and every corner of the world of action cinema. I'm one of your hosts, Jack, and I'm joined as always by my good friend, Vaughn. Vaughn, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Jack. How are you doing? I'm good. We both just watched an action movie, uh, different action movies. It's a Sunday night here in Throwdown town. I just watched a relatively boring Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling movie. And you watched some, what was it, a Glickenhaus, uh, who else was in that movie?
1: <laughs> it's Peter Weller and Sam Elliott, which is a great combo, although they don't spend too much of the movie together. But it's like a crime drama slash legal drama kind of cooked together. It's a really good time. You get, so you get some some fun courtroom stuff and then a bunch of crazy kind of 80s sleazy action. It's a great
0: combo. Amazing, and today we are going back to 1976 to talk about a film I brought to the table, Black Samurai, directed by Al Adamson, starring Jim Kelly. First of all, Vaughn, I want to ask, I need to ask, have you seen Enter the Dragon? I have seen Enter the Dragon, yes. (laughs) Okay, because when I mentioned it on the end of last episode, I was like, oh, has Vaughn seen Enter the Dragon? Should we just be doing Enter the Dragon (laughs) instead, but... No, Jim Kelly um rose to fame really in the sort of black exploitation circuits in the seventies, and he starred as the, the karate champion in Enter the Dragon. That was his first real push into movie stardom. He owned a dojo out in LA, I believe, where a lot of celebrities trained for like oh, actions, okay. action choreography and stunt work and things um in his later period of his career but i wanted to bring black samurai to the table i've seen like a couple of jim kelly films over the years in that 70s black exploitation wave and black samurai is the one i think about the most i think it has everything i want in a sort of a scuzzy black exploitation mm, b movie yeah. of this era um what did you think about it o- overall I have to say I didn't love it a whole lot. um I mm-hmm.
1: wish I had. Okay. I wish I had enjoyed it more. I have to say I'm not super familiar with a lot of this kind of corner of action cinema. Black exploitation mm-hmm. has not really been uh, my thing, at least so far. I haven't kind of found that hook to get me into uh, a binge of it, that genre. Um, mm-hmm. But this was this was definitely a fun one. There were a lot of things I liked about it. I think. Uh, I don't know, it didn't quite come together
0: for me. It was a little bit mm-hmm. uh, a little bit too chaotic. Yeah, I think with a, a sort of B-movie of this nature, you look to the director, Al Adamson, who was very much a B-movie journeyman in the the films that he created in the 60s right. and 70s. So I sort of not lower my, my standards for these types of movies, but I, I can appreciate them on a different level. I think they're not going to work in the same vein as... Uh, an 80s Hong Kong movie for me, or even like a 90s American action movie, right. they are very much getting by on the skin of their teeth, basically. They are very low-brow, low-budget productions, and that is definitely realized in the production itself. The audio quality is muffled and a bit messy. It's yeah. definitely pulling from different areas of pulpy uh, genre cinema, definitely like a bit of bond exploitation in there. For sure. But... But as a piece of, like, exploitation cinema highlighting a black martial artist, pretty much the first famous black martial artist on screen, um, as a Jim Kelly vehicle, I like it, just how, how silly it can be as well. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, I think it's the kind of thing where I'm sure if I were to kind of get more into the genre and this kind of era and style of film and came back to this, I would probably get mm-hmm. a lot more out of it, but as kind of an, an intro... Uh, it was it took me by surprise a little bit, um, okay. but there was there's a lot of fun stuff in there. It's definitely not like i I didn't like it, but sure, uh, it's kind of middle of the road for me for now.
0: Mm-hmm. yep, yeah, so this is uh, Black Samurai based on the character Robert Sand, who first appeared in a series of novels by Mark Alden, and I can't possibly tell you what those novels would read like <laughs> it's like. I always forget that James Bond is based on a series of novels, yeah. those Ian Fleming novels. I read one when I was very, very, like, in my early teens, but I never really feel the need to revisit right. a Bond novel. I recently went on a Bond binge just to finish off all the James Bond movies that I've oh, okay. I've never seen before, just because it was in my nearly completed uh, collect collections on the Letterboxd stats list, and I was like, well, I'm going to have to get through them. And I suppose the, the appeal of those movies are they're just like globetrotting espionage movies with the, uh, some, some light action nonsense peppered throughout. And then yeah, yeah. you have movies like Black Samurai, which are directly derivative of those. And even Enter the Dragon itself, it's very much working on the same sort of Bond secret agent formula yeah that's true robert sand here is working for dragon the defense reserve agency guardian (laughs) of nations which is such a stretch like they definitely (laughs) came up with the acronym first and then they were like well we need words to actually fit into this and he is tasked with uh, tracking down a high priest of the occult who is working involved involved in some way in some sort of ultimate macguffin freeze bomb weapon uh, he goes by the name of the warlock and our man robert sand played by jim kelly has to go on this sort of backpack adventure uh, fight some goons in hotel lobbies and hotel rooms infiltrate an island lair and ultimately have a big showdown with a vulture <laughs> is it a vulture I yes think it's he a does vulture. yeah some kind of carrion some bird. sort of l- yeah. large
1: t- terrifying bird <laughs> um and that makes a lot of sense. I had no idea that it was, um, like a previously established character, um,
0: which I think makes a lot of, a lot of sense. It doesn't feel like that at all, like, they just feel like vehicles built around Jim Kelly, the Yeah, actor. definitely. Um, I think
1: you definitely get that, that kind of bond exploitation vibe, um, but of course with this very obviously low-budget film, you can't do, like, the the globe trotting adventure thing. So it all it all definitely feels like this was shot in the same
0: block of a city, but uh <laughs> they get a lot out yeah. of it anyway. Yeah, they don't have the the lavish locations of a a peak Bond film. This was all filmed on location in Haiti just using various sort of hotels right. and uh different outdoor areas they could get their hands on. Again, Al Adamson, king of sort of grindhouse B movies. Just going to read off some of his credits here. The ones I've seen anyway. Uh, 1971's Dracula versus Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Dynamite Brothers. Death Dimension. Carnival Those are great Magic. great titles really good titles i like him as a a b-movie schlockmeister i put him i I dedicated one of the songs on 10 second beats the vault album to him um that was a i think a jim kelly inspired song imagining if jim kelly had been in like a a down and dusty western movie or something like that (laughs) Uh, horror of the Blood Monsters. He was very much someone who came to filmmaking a little late in his career, but situated himself in the B horror and action genre. Yeah. Definitely working on like B reels for A pictures. You know, working in productions that are ultimately going to be seen in grindhouses and drive-through theaters. Never going to hit the prestige or the, the sort of festival circuits or right. even the the home acclaim of something like a Bond movie. But um, after seeing, I think, like six or seven of Al Adamson's movies, he's a an okay sort of genre journeyman, but Black Samurai is one I look back on fondly. Yeah, it's always fun when you get a director
1: like this where it feels like this kind of guy doesn't exist anymore, you know? These kind of directors doing this kind of B stuff mm-hmm. on, on this scale. Um, That's the thing. Well,
0: B movies don't really exist no, not in really. this way anymore. It's not... Like you're programming a festival or programming a, a series of cinema chains and saying, oh, Oppenheimer is going to be the big release. We need a B-movie to situate. Right. And, and no, you just have two A-movies. You have Barbie and Oppenheimer. No one is producing purposeful, cheaper productions to liaise with the highbrow, higher-end productions to make a sort of sandwich deal. Everyone is just pumping money yeah. into all sorts of nonsense and you'll have movies like madam web which are taking up (laughs) so much money and coming out practically like a b-movie but not in the same sort of way
1: it is a real shame because then you miss out on uh, on fun stuff like this that creates little uh kind of specific genres um but this does a a great job of kind of escalating because it does start Mm -hmm. very much like oh, this is like as cheap as it gets, B-movie kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. you get just like they're filming in a backyard and a pool. And Mm -hmm. you can tell they're like accomplishing everything in the cheapest way possible. And there's definitely a charm to that. I always love seeing like when I can kind of tell like, yeah, this is a a backyard production for sure. But you can find the stuff to appreciate there. But it does escalate quite a bit because by the end you've got... Jim Kelly with a jetpack flying around Haiti. Well, so. that's what I—that's that,
0: sort of the turning point for me. Like even the action sequences, which we'll talk about, they feel very sort of slapped together. They Definitely. feel very rudimentary, B movie. Not as much effort or style is being put into them. They're very much leaning on Jim Kelly, who is this well-established martial artist and screen presence, right. to break to basically bring the goods on that that side of things. Whereas Al Adamson will will sort the production in this high eighty landscape, and but yeah, once it moves to um, Robert Sands, the secret super dragon secret agent <laughs> is um, he rocks up in a little yacht, little boat thing, and then pulls out just this really like overly sized, I've never really seen a jetpack like this. I don't think Yeah, I, don't I didn't really know what was going on. Pack. It totally <laughs> caught me off guard. It reminds me of the... <laughs> this is another Bond Bondsploitation movie from the 70s, I think. I think it's called For Your Height Only, starring Weng Weng, who was this really short-in-stature um, actor, and uh, there's a, an emote or gif I use on Discord <laughs> all the time like, a, of him... I- him flying through the sky in this massive jetpack and I was just completely reminded of that. I yes. I was reminded of that that
1: specifically that <laughs> emote that you made and I because I thought I was wondering if it was this movie that I was From watching, this. and yeah, then I looked yeah, at it yeah. and I was like, no, it's a little bit different. It must be another <laughs> movie with a jetpack scene.
0: But, yeah, it's not really, like, uh, brought attention to. It's not established in dialogue. He just pulls up to the island or the the lair and just flies off. And the jetpack sequence is longer than I expected as well. He is really going for it. He is flying around in that thing.
1: And it kind of seems like he doesn't know where he's going, and they just kind of wanted to use him on a jetpack. He kind of just flies all over the place, and then by the time that he lands, it seems like, did you really even need to do this at all?
0: Uh, Probably It was like a small (laughs) small jog away, like... He's going right across the screen. He's going left across the <laughs> screen. He's going like into sunsets and over hills. But it looks like he's just sort of vaulted a wall and it made it to the to the lair to rescue Toki, his girlfriend, who has been abducted by the uh, the evil cult leader and his gang of of henchmen. A lot of um, like small people, henchmen and goons, yeah. which I, I was never again never brought attention to, never no. mentioned. It's just something that happens. And it's quite um, it's quite hilarious just having Jim Kelly, like quite a, a built right. <laughs> man of stature, just going up against little people and just various goons with, they don't really put up much of a fight against Jim no. Kelly. It's very much um, like he is, or his body of work was always very much in conversation with Bruce Lee and they both have a similar physique, similar stature and Bruce yeah. Lee rarely had fights where he was on the receiving end of some really serious blows. Mm. It seemed that Bruce Lee was always in control, you know, had the upper hand and Jim Kelly very much feels uh, slightly derivative of Bruce Lee in that way. Yeah, it's kind of it's hard to
1: tell if like it's designed as he couldn't possibly lose a fight or if it's just like by nature of it being like this kind of low-budget production that he had to kind of... Like, it didn't seem like anyone he was fighting was a highly trained martial artist. It seemed like it was just like, we've got extras on set, I'm going to teach you how to do these couple of
0: moves in five minutes, and then we'll execute it, so... The guys doing the catering have come in to take a couple of hits. That's how it feels. use a shotgun against Jim Kelly and Jim Kelly will just do a forward roll, pull out a revolver from seemingly nowhere didn't have a revolver (laughs) earlier um, and shoot the guy to death and that's sort of why I love this because it's so scrappy and quite cheesy and it's just operating on that, in that B movie area. Yeah, there's definitely a a charm to that but yeah, all of those, those
1: choreographed sequences you can tell are very much like and then we'll do this move and then we'll do this move and it's mm-hmm. a lot slower than, like, you would find in, like you said earlier, like a Hong Kong action movie where you've got this this highly organized kind of rapid-fire exchange of blows. But there is a charm
0: to the low-budget nature of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we see um, Jim Kelly's Robert Sand training in his hotel room at one point, really showing off the physicality of himself. He's training with a sword and nunchucks. Very, very typical of a martial artist in the 70s, harkening on that Bruce Lee wave. You can definitely tell he worked with Bruce in some regard and some of that rubbed off on him. And like Bruce Lee's impact on the black exploitation world in general was was quite profound and very very important. Right. Seeing like strong independent pr- protagonists of non-white origin yeah, in America sure. in the seventies was was a, a very influential like pivotal turning point as well. It sort of challenged the stereotypes of the different. Class systems working in America at that time, working with different races, and it just sort of empowered different audiences. So when when it came to the, the sudden passing of Bruce Lee and the mantle sort of shifted and there was sort of this this area for for black actors and black filmmakers to to take a different corner of the market and work on their own products. I say that knowing fully well that Al Adamson, the director of this movie, several other black exploitation movies and a lot of other black exploitations in general had very white um, directors. Yeah. So it was yeah. very much them almost uh profiting on the the popularity of that movement but it definitely put actors and faces in in the sort of forefront of these
1: right as far as like what's on screen and Mm -hmm. the audiences
0: that get to see that that
1: representation it's still really important i mean it definitely it's it's nice to see this kind of stuff just as a product of its time this kind of stuff that that spins off of that eastern kung fu wave that that then Mm -hmm. hit america and then you get this kind of response to it and it is it is cool to see these kind of these things that are made for those specific audiences and you can tell that uh it's made for those people specifically Mm -hmm. and so that's why it's like
0: maybe i didn't enjoy it a lot but uh you know nobody made it for me so (laughs) (laughs) like jim kelly is a fine enough martial artist i think uh maybe it's just the the way that it's all shot and not really choreographed where it comes across as quite lazy and pedantic in parts as we said earlier it doesn't feel like he's fighting martial artists or even trained stunt people or trained anyone's it just feels like they have guys from the union that are just taking hits off jim (laughs) kelly um there are parts in the, the sort of finale bit where it gets a bit more gritty and a bit more hard hitting with weaponry and stuff but the martial arts is, is a little stunted i mean i don't blame jim kelly for that it's hard well, yeah. to because he's coming from it from a from a sports angle first he was this this karate champion um but yeah it, it translates a little sloppily um it's scrappy and heavy hitting but not in the way that we we've come to love and appreciate on this podcast it doesn't really translate to the screen that well i think that's down to the direction and the the blocking of each of each action sequence
1: but they do do a good job of you can definitely tell al adamson's doing his his best to kind of erase that stuff like to make that to smooth it out and to make it look like it's this grand mm-hmm. well choreographed action sequence even though you can kind of peer through it and be like yeah this is this is how they're cutting around that stuff but i think the there's a lot of fun in the effort of how do we take what we've got and and make something way cooler <laughs> out of it than what's actually there how do we hide the strings and how do we how do we right. pull this together in the edit it's easy to
0: elevate when you've got a, a giant bird on set though well, that's the thing. As soon as that thing is, appears on screen in the, the evil uh, cult leader's lair, you're like, how is this possibly going to play into <laughs> right. this, this kick-ass fighting narrative? And by the end of the, the, the third act there, you're just watching Jim Kelly or, or very cleverly edited scenes of um, a, a kerfuffle a scuffle with right. this uh, this <laughs> fighting a bird. vulture i think it's a vulture i'm gonna say it's a vulture it Something feels more like menacing that. to say it's vulture, a vulture condor also, maybe i don't know he also fights some snakes <laughs> like, they are very <laughs> right. much just using local Haitian wildlife at this point in
1: the movie it feels <laughs> definitely you gotta gotta use whatever you've got and they
0: uh they had a big bird so why not use it <laughs> yeah the narrative itself again derivative of, of many a spy espionage globetrotter throwing in the the satanic cult which is yeah. kind of just um, kind of just presented in one sort of dance sequence where they have like this sh- shamanic ritual there's not really yeah. anything that feeds into the, the the general narrative other than like maybe a blood sacrifice or two is mentioned which is why the kidnapping takes place in the first place but it is just a very quick shorthand for bad guy who has a lair and we have a a pretty okay martial artist secret agent who's not very charismatic he's kind of got like a cool charm to him a very like understated cool charm as jim kelly did in enter the dragon they're not really forcing much sort of leading man presence into his persona here Again, it's just part of the nature of this B movie. I, I think it's just it's just part of the course, and you soundtrack it all with that that seventies funky clavinet, bass guitar, conga stuff. Yeah, it stuff. is very and funky. I, I, I'm gonna have a good time with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, the the plotting is definitely kind of wishy washy in terms of what's really happening here. I don't really know. It's kind of just slapped together, but. You know, They get the, the important enough parts of like, yeah, there's someone that's kidnapped that you need to rescue, mm-hmm. and yep. clearly this guy's evil, and I guess he's doing some kind of demonic ritual, so you should probably stop that. And we'll throw in just enough to make it look like it's foreboding and evil so that you can just kind of buy in on a base level,
0: and that's all you need. Even like the beat-to-beat stuff, you don't really understand how he's moving from A to B to C. You are just kind of following him, (laughs) and sometimes it'll be explained through dialogue, sometimes it won't. Sometimes he's just going places to beat up goons to move to another place to beat up some more goons, and that's fine with me sometimes. Um, because it's a 1976 Grindhouse B movie, there's a lot of topless girls dancing and a lot of time spent um, ogling that through the camera. Yep. Oh, definitely. There, especially when we get to the evil uh, henchman lair thing, we are just watching pretty much like four minutes of a, a topless sort of striptease dance set to some 70s music while Jim Kelly slowly infiltrates the building. um, Again, par for the course at this point. Can't really comment that much on the the 76 semantics of filmmaking, but...
1: Yeah, that's definitely the, uh, the B-movie of it all, is we don't have a whole lot that we can put together here, so it's kind of, what is this, like an 85-minute movie or something, so let's stretch out everything we can as long as we possibly can and... Yeah, there's a uh, there's some gratuitous
0: stuff that's just like this doesn't <laughs> this doesn't, doesn't need to need be, to be here. here. This isn't accomplishing anything. It's just that that filmmaking idea of we need to put in as much of everything as we can, something yeah. for everyone. We need some car chases and car stunts. We need Some hand-to-hand martial arts stuff, we need some light comedy, we need some breasts, we need everything we can possibly get into that that absolutely register or the R-rated picture or whatever this is for the grindhouse and drive-in scenes.
1: Yeah, because when you're making some kind of, you know, when you're making
0: a B-movie exploitation
1: kind of thing, it's like, there's not really any rules that you need to be following, so it's just like, we might as well Mm -hmm. throw in everything that we possibly can, all the the violence and sex that we can possibly
0: justify within the the runtime of this and that'll get people watching and again it is what just over 80 minutes at a stretch as well this could be a, a concise 60 minute oh, movie probably there is quite a bit of padding in there but it's that that low fidelity b-movie space that i enjoy hanging out in in those that that 70s circle um, the old title of this, I don't know if you saw this, I don't I know where where this would have been billed as this, but it was billed as Black Terminator, um, okay. years and years obviously huh. before The Terminator comes yeah. out, and I think our ideas of what termination <laughs> were <laughs> possibly changed between the 70s and the 80s, yeah, because... Definitely. But also Samurai. He's not really doing much.
1: No, that of, was my kind of thought uh, much, throughout. Much it in like, the way it, was, not... it should
0: just be like Black Karate Warrior or yeah. uh, Black James Bond. I don't know. Like I don't know why we landed on Black Samurai. It's a cool name, but the, the it doesn't really translate to the actual story and the actual yeah, characterization of sense. Robert Sand. Yeah,
1: He has a sword a couple of times, but even then kind there's of... not like big sword battles or anything so it's not like really it's not, not quite a samurai but that's okay i'll take it
0: but it's a great title for a movie it has <laughs> got, got butts <laughs> on seats and got us to watch this movie anyway that's true this is a classic find of i was either diving through random letterbox lists of grindhouse b movies or was just on one of the many 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 youtube playlists that just oh, have course seemingly forgotten b-movies um washed on the shore of the internet where no <laughs> one really I- I cares about uh the right. copyright law at all they exist in like middling quality um but there are some good dvds i think there's a possible blu-ray of this out at the moment um which i'm probably looking into, but <laughs> yeah, i'm sure there is any final thoughts on black samurai your first real sort of uh tiptoe into the world of black exploitation, an area we'll probably return to in the future, I think.
1: Yeah, and I hope we do. This definitely I'm I'm glad you brought this because it mm-hmm. was a, a good a good one for me to watch to kinda of get into it and I'll definitely have sure. to explore the genre more and see what I can what I can find throughout it and then maybe I'll revisit
0: this in the future and enjoy it more. So yeah, if you're interested in black exploitation, uh, that sort of martial arts area of black exploitation, I can recommend Black Samurai. I can also recommend Soul Brothers of Kung Fu, which is black exploitation meets Bruce exploitation. You've got Bruce oh, nice. Lai in that movie. Um, Shaft is a a classic of the mm. genre, which is probably high up on my list of things we could probably cover. Things like Truck Turner, Black Belt Jones is another Jim Kelly joint. Um, and then you move into the sort of seedier areas of really exploitative black exploitation stuff where it's uh, like female black exploitation, like Pam Grea stuff. So you've yeah, got yeah. coffee, black mama, white mama, the big dollhouse women in cages where it gets kind of really quite salacious and really right. quite uh, off-putting to watch in some regard. They're less action-oriented, more sort of um, ex- exploitative dramas, but very, very interesting on their own sort of terms there um but foxy brown and coffee are ones i think we'd cover in the future as All right. sort of because we're next week spoiler alert we'll be we're moving into our girls with guns arc yes. and foxy brown and coffee definitely operate in that era before the the hong kong wave of the 80s okay. yeah that makes sense moved into guns with girls or girls with guns even not guns <laughs> with girls maybe that's a different thing um, but yeah, black exploitation—it's an interesting one. I'm still dipping my toes. I've recently purchased a book on black exploitation, and I want to oh, get cool. more ingrained in that. Just because, like, I like B movies, I like action movies, I right. like seventies and eighties movies, and it's just—it's another world. It's another world completely. So
1: yeah, speaking of
0: what we've got on
1: next, so the typical thing is we've been exchanging, going back and forth, one pick from each of us for each yep. week. We kind of bring each other something. Um, but we had kind of played around with the idea of doing kind of a, a themed series for um, multiple episodes. And I was looking at what we had coming up, and I looked at, at March, which we've got four slots in March. And I said, mm-hmm. Jack, I've got just the thing. So throughout the month of March, we will be covering the at least the first four <laughs> in the line of <laughs> yeah. duty movies. Um, yep, yeah,
0: because I was shocked to learn... We'll, we'll comment on this next episode. There are more <laughs> than four. Yes, there's like eight, but... They always seem to be packaged as a as a quadrilogy. The, the high-prestige ones of the In the Line of Duty movies. Hong Kong, Girls with Guns, Action Explosion Extravaganzas.
1: Yes, so for next week, we will be covering... And we'll kind of go over why it's this movie in case you might be confused, but we'll be covering Royal Warriors from 1986 next week. So come back and join us for the In the Line of Duty series throughout March. It's going to be a very good time. Jack, anything else before we, we sign off?
0: No, I believe you can watch most of them online in some format. I believe that a couple of them were on Criterion. If not, um, they always pop up on YouTube or Archive or maybe even Tubi at some point. But yes, please watch along with us. I'm very excited to return to these movies, series of awesome Hong Kong movies. Very looking forward to um, talking them through. You can follow us on different social media platforms to keep up to date with all the things that we do. We are both on Blue Sky, X, slash Twitter, letterboxed. Um, you can find Vaughn's writings on the twingeeks.com, sure where his podcast is published. You can also check out things I do with my friend Stephen on the stacks.co.uk. Um, I'm thinking of spoiling things. What else? What other things do we have in the world? Um, YouTube.com, um, <laughs> the stacks on film. We're trying to use the, the, the YouTube platform a little bit more. Nice. Um, and Letterbox. I think I've already mentioned. But yeah, follow Thanks us so. on Letterbox. We're always everything. talking about movies yeah. and something in some regard. Um, But yeah, we will be back next week to talk about In the Line of Duty 1, Royal Warriors. Is it the first one? I don't think it is, but technically it is. We're talking about Royal Warriors next week. (laughs) And we'll get into why. So see you next week, everybody. (laughs) See you next week,
1: guys.